0: Good stuff there. Good, good, good worship. Praise the Lord. Well, greetings, and I'm glad you came out. We're going to take communion at the end of service today, so I want you to just be mindful of that, and the message will kind of lead us up to that. We're going to try to take it a little bit more on Sundays throughout the year. Uh, we do it on first Wednesdays, but not everybody can make it out, and so along with Good Friday. We have a big uh, Easter season planned, so just so you know, Thursday night, I think April the 9th, we'll do a prayer meeting. Can you not tarry with me one hour? You're all invited to come out for that, 7 o'clock. And then on um, Good Friday, we're going to do a Good Friday fish fry. We'll have service, communion service, and a fish fry we did last year. And I'll be honest with you, we would like to have a downtown. I'm not sure. It just all depends on kind of where we're at. Uh, Maybe downtown, if not, it'll be here. So we'll be that close at that time. I did one downtown a couple years ago in the... Fire Marshal was very displeased with me. (laughs) He was really unhappy. And then he brought the county with him and uh, the city, and they were not happy with me either. And so I'm a little leery to do things that I don't have full-on permission to do. Um, So we'll see. But we're going to do a fish fry, really good fish too, by the way. Then Easter service, Easter Sunday will be uh, at Huck's Chapel, which is... Over in the cemetery at 745, sunrise, and then we're going to do 915 and 11 here, and then Sunny Valley, it's where we have a Bible study, we've got a crew over there now, that'll be 11, and then Cherokee, that's out on the reservation, that'll be 11. Here's what we're asking our our church to do, you, you are our church, to come to one and serve one, come to one and serve one. So we know that it's Easter and you're going to look good, but it's also for people who maybe don't visit churches that often. We want to really serve them. We want to really show them the love of Christ and uh, really try to get into their lives so that they'll come back, okay? So I want you just to pray about it. I'm not going to ask a show of hands because I know you're all going to do it anyways. You're all going to be so faithful. You're going to say, yeah, I want to serve one and attend one. Uh, that's why the team night will be on April 1st so we can kind of get everybody trained. Uh, you know, it's it's some of the stuff we're doing is not real difficult. Some of the stuff we are doing is difficult, so we'll kind of place you, but We'd love to have you attend one, and we'd love to have you serve one. Amen? Amen. How many is just going to at least pray about it? Yeah, my staff will pray about it. Two other people. God, Yeah, thank you. I know you are. It's like the Holy Spirit's hitting you right now. Like, yeah, I need to just attend all three. Okay, that'd be fine, too. I'll be here. You all doing good? All right. Uh, I don't think I have anything else. They did a great job on the announcements. Thank you for showing up. On the on the essentials, come often. Uh, underneath that, it, it could say, and invite somebody. Listen, Grace Church wants to be a church that is open for everybody. We want you all to come. And like us, we want to just chase God with everything in us and see, where, see that's where this thing takes us. Okay? So come just as you are. Invite people just as they are. And let's... Let's grow in Christ together. That's that's our goal. That's our number one uh, goal. So we're, we're going to study the book of Jonah for a few weeks and really kind of bring a different angle, an angle that maybe we haven't discovered before, but an angle that maybe hopefully helps helps the church, not just our church, but the church in general. And we're not here to bring correction. We're just here to bring, hey, what about this? Let's look at it this way. So stand with me, if you will. We're just going to read two verses. A Jonah, the first chapter, verse 3. He went down to Joshua. Uh, And found a ship going to Tarsus. This is Jonah. And he paid a fare and went down to it to go with him to Tarsus away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for that amazing worship today. And, Lord, we just feel engaged with you. We just feel like your presence is here. And I can't believe that, that like, Jonah ran away from your presence, Lord. So while your presence is here, I pray that you continue to draw our hearts into you. Lord, as we prepare our hearts to take communion here in a little bit, Lord, that we would we would just engage totally, Father with what you're doing in each of our lives, Lord, that we can uh, understand, respect, and love, Lord, uh, not only you, but each other, Lord, and and grow together in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody in agreement said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. You can be seated. So we talked about Jonah last week, and uh, I'll reinforce it again. Uh, Jonah was a a radical uh, patriot. So he he was, and I, as I explained in the first service, and I'm not, I, like, I don't know, I don't know if I should even say it. Um, like, like, so, if Jonah was living today, he'd have a four-wheel drive pickup with a shotgun in the back window. <laughs> Some of you aren't laughing. I'm assuming you have the shotgun. No, he was a patriot. I mean, and there's, listen, God bless, I, we, we all need to be patriots of our countries, of our countries of origin, of the country that we live in, but we also need to be patriots of the kingdom of God. Amen? That's a bigger patriotism than even the country of origin or the country we live in. Why is that? Because Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who could end your life. Be afraid of the one who could end your life and send you to heaven or hell. And so it's not like we're afraid of God. It's this awesome fear. It's this respect that we have of God that says, okay, God, you're bigger than all my problems. You're bigger than all my needs. You're bigger than all these things that that are going through my mind right now. And so I, I feel like this message is to really two different sorts of people. One is to the Christ follower who has maybe seen things a little bit differently. See, in the world... Uh, not all churches are looked at like Ra ra ra! I get to go to church. They're looked at as a little bit of a, a, of a supremacist group. That they, those guys know what's going on. They don't allow anybody else in. We have to be careful. We can't go around them. They're just going to judge me. And I don't want that for Grace Church. I want Grace Church to be a church that says, you know what? Not like like me. We all have a flaw of some way, shape, or form. But together we can work through our flaws and see Christ m- make us a new creature, and we become new in Him. Right. By the renewing of our mind, we become, we become new people. And then, and then the other, so some, part, some of the world, some of the United States of America, some people, about 27%, don't want anything to do with church because they feel like the second they walk in those doors, they're going to be judged, and they're going to be judged harshly we have to be careful, right? On the other part then, those that maybe who don't follow Christ, and maybe some even here today who are still searching, they're in their walk, they're in that midst of, am I a Christ follower or not? I want to be able to present the gospel to them in love that says, listen, this thing this thing is worth living for. Jesus is worth, he died for us, why not live for him, amen? And so we can we can run to that. We can make that we can make that passion. So Jonah is a little twisted here. He's, just, he's this patriot. This is 2 Kings 14, if you're looking for reference. So he's this hes this patriot. And by the way, uh, Jesus was known to grab some religious zealots on his team. So he got people that were just like Jonah. They were the guy with the four-wheel drive pickup and the shotgun in the back window. And then he'd go over here and he'd grab a tax collector. Then he'd go over here. It'd be like, you know, uh, Someone who is really totally like um, uh, down home and and just doesn't mince their words, uh, just maybe maybe pro-patriot but a little bit anti-government inviting the IRS over for dinner. This is Jesus' team. This is, this is the group of guys. This is the group of 12 guys that he knows, like, <laughs> that, that he knows, like, yeah, I'm, I'm just picking some. And it's almost, I think inside, maybe he's laughing just a little bit. Like, yeah, the, I'm gonna see how these guys get along. Like, have you ever been in a, a dinner party where you just wonder, how are those two gonna? How are they going to get along? And maybe the the host or hostess, they write out the placards and sits them right next to each other. He's like, this is going to be so much fun or so much fire. I'm not sure. This is just going to be a blast. Well, God, I think, in his good mercy... Allows us to read the story of Jonah because Jonah's that way. Jonah's this zealot. He's this patriot. He he's the guy that, like, no one's gonna jack with his country. He's you know, all all in, and yet God says, I need you to go down to this other country. I need you to go down to Syria, Nineveh of Syria, and it's dark and nasty, and those people are mean and angry, and they're and they, they might even kill you, but I need you to go down there and just preach seven words to them. And Jonah gets up and runs. Exactly the opposite direction. Like he takes off and he's running, afraid. He runs. In fact, his his course his length of, of time where he was running, he was on the boat, he was, it, it's it's like hundreds of miles. It's not like he didn't go down to Lenore to get away from the people of Hickory. He went, you know, he went to Nebraska or Kansas or maybe even Colorado to get away from the people that are, that are in. So, listen, God gave Jonah a word, okay? And sometimes when God gives us a word, if we turn our back on him and run, it is what we call sin, okay? So sin, I want to talk to you just a moment about sin, and I want to talk to you a moment about acceptance, okay? Sin is willful disobedience of what God has for you or what God tells you to do. Sin is willful disobedience of what God tells you, okay? Now, there's some gray areas, okay? And I'm not going to even go into gray areas at this point in time. Paul said, the apostle Paul, who wrote basically two-thirds of the New Testament, said, All things were lawful for him to do, but not all things were good for him to do. And should he cause a stumbling block for someone else, then he had to make sure that he stopped doing that. Are you with me so far? So we're trying to give you a biblical perspective of sin. We're going to lean more in that area towards the New Testament than the Old Testament. And I'll tell you why. Because if you have ever, young person, cursed or made fun of your mommy or daddy, the Old Testament, Leviticus would take you outside and stone you to death. So how many thinks we should go New Testament on this whole sin thing? <laughs> it's like, all right. And that's not the only thing. There's, there's many, many, many others. So if we're going to go New Testament, then we have to integrate mercy and grace, okay? Are you with me? So what Jonah was told to do was you go down to Nineveh, you preach these seven words for me. That's all, he, he didn't have to do anything else. But he was going into probably a life-threatening situation. You go down, and we've kind of, like sometimes we do with the cross of Christ and the blood, sometimes we, we make it cute. Oh, the blood of Jesus and all that. We make it, Jesus died a horrible death on the cross, by the way. I mean, he, he stakes through his hands, 39 stripes on his back, a crown of thorns, a spear in his side, hung for three hours on the cross. I mean, basically you would suffocate. And if you didn't suffocate, they came through and they broke your kneecaps so that you couldn't hold yourself up. But just standing there on a cross for, for three hours and, and did it for each of us. And the first thing he did was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And sometimes if we're not careful, church, we take upon ourselves being judge and jury of different people, of different, you know, uh, sin, different disobediences, or different things that we look at ourselves. And can I say this? I said it, I think, last week. I'll say it again. If you remove perceived sin from your life, that doesn't make you a Christian. See, when I got saved, I had to remove all these things from my life that were perceived sin. I couldn't wear certain clothes. I couldn't dress a certain way. I couldn't go to movies. I couldn't listen to Ario Speedwagon. That still makes me mad. <laughs> I'm better now. I can listen to it now. <laughs> I got saved. No. I... <laughs> you see what I'm saying? A list of don'ts don't make you saved. Only accepting Christ makes you saved. Only accepting Jesus makes you a Christ follower. It's like we want to clean people up, I think, because it makes us feel better. Yeah, I don't want to deal with your stuff right now. I've got my own stuff. Just stop doing it and you'll be all right. No. No, There couldn't be a worse representation of the gospel than saying that. Deal with Jesus. He'll make you better. Deal with Jesus. He'll make you a follower. Jesus simply said, come and follow me. And so God is saying to Jonah, the prophet, go to Nineveh, preach these seven words, and they'll take care of everything else. And he gets up like a lot of good church people who are told to do something, and he goes exactly the opposite way because he becomes judge and jury. It wasn't that he was afraid. It's that he had so much hate in his heart, he wouldn't go to Nineveh. Now think about that. Stop for a second. Is there any person... Are there any people? Is there a people group? Is there a type of person that you would say, man, I just don't know if I like that group of people or not? Then you need to repent right now in the name of Jesus. You need to ask for forgiveness. Or if you've judged somebody and said, man, I just don't think they're going to make it. And I, and I have. I know I have. Lord, forgive me in the name of Jesus. And I know I know the good New Testament response is, yeah, but you got to be able to judge their fruit. All right. I mean, I, I'm with that. I think so. I think a couple things. And I'm just going to talk to you for a moment. i got some notes. We've already thrown them out. Uh, <laughs> So we're just going to talk for a moment. Can we, is it all right if we talk for a moment? And then we'll take communion and you go, go eat and you can just contemplate. I, I, a couple things. I think if we're not careful... We, we get into this mode where, like Jonah, because of his hatred towards the Ninevites, according to 2 Kings 14, he's not going to go there, so then he becomes disrespectful to God, and, and here's the key point, if you write anything down, if you take anything away, the same mercy that God wanted to show the Ninevites through Jonah, it now becomes the mercy that Jonah needs God to show him because he's walking in direct disobedience to God. And so when we say, I'm going to judge that person or I'm going to do whatever to this person, we become, all of a sudden, we can't give the same mercy that we want from God or the same grace that we want from God. We can't give to that person and all of a sudden then we need it. Why do we, how, what gives us the right to be stingy with the grace and mercy that we want from God and not be able to give it to somebody else? Does it make sense? This this is what Jonah is walking through. And because he's walking through it, he, he gets, the Bible says that God causes a great wind to be hurled upon him. Now, Psalms will tell us in in 104 verses uh, 3 and 4 that God, uh, throughout scriptures, but that he causes himself to ride on this wind. Now, it could be a metaphor. It could be real. We're talking about God, so it doesn't matter because God can do whatever he wants, but he causes this wind, and so we'll we'll break apart for a second. I want to give you just a little bit of theology. Not every great wind comes from God. Not every great circumstance comes from God. Are you with me? So that word great. So Jonah was told to go to a great city. Godola is the word great. It means it means uh, powerful. Okay. So then the uh, cause a great wind. Godola is in that. So he leaks week or two. He gets enlarged in, in or he gets engulfed by a great fish. But there's always a great God. Gadola, powerful. There's always a great God that will bail us out should we choose to render our life to Him and surrender. So when we look at a situation and we look at the, the, what we would call sin, uh, willful disobedience, missing the mark, then sometimes things happen. But not every time that something happens is it from a sinful thing. So four ways, there's four things that happen in our life that would bring maybe oh, a disaster or a storm in our life, maybe a great wind. One is God. God, God will test you. Let it be known that God will test his own. He wants to purify us. He wants to see what we're made of. In fact, he tested Abraham, right? After Isaac was born, Genesis, maybe the 22nd chapter or so, hey, the lad and I are going to go up to worship. He was going to sacrifice them. He wanted to see what Abraham was made of. So sometimes God will make you sacrifice the promise he gave you to see if you worship the promise more than you worship God. But if you worship God more than the promise, he's going to give you a bunch of promises in your life. You have to make sure that you're a Christ follower, not just a, a man chaser a man pleaser. Second of all, Satan tempted Jesus Christ. Matthew, the fourth chapter, we see it, where he brings the temptations upon and Throw yourself down and all these things. I'll give you bread, whatever, after the 40 days of prayer and fasting, which by the way, the Bible says, the spirit drove him out into the wilderness. So we know that God tests, never tempts, God tests, but Satan tempts. And so if Satan's dumb enough to tempt Jesus or bold enough to tempt Jesus, Jesus, he's bold enough to tempt you. But now through Scripture, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the counsel of many, we know then what becomes temptation that we can overcome it because how do we overcome that? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, right? That's how we can become over overcomers. When we're overcome, th- those things, we can be bold in that. Three is consequences. If we do something in our life, maybe in a, a fit of rage, we hit somebody and they fall down, they crack their head open, they they die. It's manslaughter. You go to jail. These type of things. But that's a consequence. Maybe you repented for that. You're a Christ follower. You're born again. You're saved. But at the same time, you have a consequence to that sin or to that wrongdoing. A person who Falls, by the way, in that realm, there's consequences. And they say, but I'm a Christ follower. Yeah, but maybe you've done these things for so long, so your body is aging or your body has something wrong with it. Well, what if I've never done anything and I still have cancer? That's number four, the fall of man brought in things in this life. When, when Adam and Eve fell, all of a sudden it opened the doors to different diseases and different, different things that our, our body might go through. So what am I saying? When we, when we look at the storms of life and we decide to run the opposite direction, there will be storms attached to those things because God loves you so much he wants to get your attention. He, he, it's rather to be found out on this earth of what we're short on than it is to when we stand before the judge. Amen? When we stand before the judge, it's all over. No one's going to be able to pray you out of a purgatory. Nobody's going to be able to get baptized for you. Nobody's going to be able to uh, turn around. When we when we. St- enter the next life, after we exit this one, we have to have the blood of Jesus Christ on our spirit, amen, on our heart. We have to have received Christ. Uh, He that calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. Simple as that. He that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So sometimes God will let you go in your way, but he won't let you go from his grip. And I believe it becomes difficult once we receive Christ to, to go back on Christ. Like I don't, I don't think, sometimes I use a, a grease board, I don't think God is in heaven writing your name and then wiping it out, writing your name, wiping it out, writing your name, wiping it out. I don't think you're in or out. I think he writes your name. You do have an opportunity or choice to excuse yourself from that. I think it's very difficult. In fact, I think it's so difficult that if and when you do do it, you become a reprobate, according to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. So, you're, so you then start to believe that what you're doing is okay by God. And God's okay. God, God's found. It's all right. No problem there. This is why God, along with uh, Samuel, looks at Jesse's boys, finds David, and says, listen, you're looking at all the wrong things. I judge the heart. I don't judge their appearance. I don't judge their their height. I don't judge their looks. I don't judge what you think they are. I judge the heart. So we have to make sure that our heart is prepared, that when we walk through this thing called life, that our heart looks at non-Jonah style to where we feel like every person has the opportunity to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, right? That's, in, that's paramount in our walk with the Lord. So as we walk with the Lord, if we start judging people and saying they can't make it to heaven, that's not gonna be Now listen, now that's not a universalist form of view. Universalist form of view is, so yeah, heaven's for everybody. It is, but you still have to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And by receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's just the start. Are do you, you hear me? It's like, in, in this is what I love about Hickory. I absolutely love Hickory, and, uh, and Jenny and I love being here, and I, I, like, I'm so glad that little bit of snow that took place yesterday wasn't today, because none of you would be here. Y'all be watching online. I would literally have five or ten people here, and we give a shout-out to, shout to our online anyways. God bless you online. Thank you for tuning in. But it's like, it's snowing. We got to stay home. It's snowing, we gotta go get bread and milk. It's snowing, get the kids out of school. Hurry. It's almost like an atomic bomb threat. It is snowing. (laughs) Get the kids start a fire, put a movie on, and then it's the rest of it's just like, and, and, if we're, and listen, it's almost like salvation, is like sometimes people just say the prayer, and they don't care how they live after that, I'm not sure, and I'm trying not to judge because I'm preaching, I'm not sure that just that's going to get it done for you, like the prayer of salvation or a prayer of faith or accepting Christ, however you want to look at it, that's just the start, Okay? Like after that, I I really got to do what the good book says. I really got to pursue a relationship with God every day. Like when Janie and I got married nearly 40 years ago, I know I don't look 40, and she doesn't even look 30. How could that be? I have no idea how that could be. It's like time, like we're in the desert, you know, where they their clothes never had to change and their shoes, and we just we're just those 40 years, honey. It's been bliss with you, just 40 years. It's been amazing. I got so caught up in that I forgot what I was going to say. I I lost it. It's, it's an it's eight. It's I just got caught up in the Valentine moment. Uh, I think I got it back. If we would have said I do 40 years ago, but never pursued our relationship with each other, we wouldn't be more in love today than we were back then. If you just say I do to Christ, but never pursue a relationship with him, you'll never be more in love with him every day than you would be the day that, like some, I've heard people say, the day I got saved is the greatest day of my life. Not me. I want today to be the greatest day of my life. I want tomorrow to be the greatest day with Christ. I want the next day to be even better. I want to keep growing in my relationship with Christ. He didn't bail me out of hell. He signed me up into the greatest team that ever existed, Team Jesus, where I, I can do a work for Him and I can help lead others to Christ and pray with people and believe with people and preach the good news and, and be a warrior and a soldier for Jesus Christ and show my family how to live, my grandkids how to live, and, and be all the things that He wants me to be. I didn't sign on to this thing like I didn't sign on with Janie just to co exist with her I signed on to be the best father and the best husband and the best person I can be and in Christ church we do ourselves a disservice if all we do is check the box and say man I'm saved because when Jesus calls you to do something you're going to act like Jonah and you're going to run the wrong way why because he didn't work on his relationship he was pro-nation he wasn't pro-God and there's a huge difference When you become pro-God, and that starts, and listen, I love America. Thank you, all of our veterans. Can we give our veterans a hand of appreciation? Thank you for serving. Thank you for helping this country be safe. I pray for our president every day, our governor every day, our mayor every day. I pray for different states every day. I've been been in a prayer mode where, God, I want you to visit America again, but until he visits the church, he won't visit America. See, Jonah represents the church here. And what did the church do? The church ran the other way because the church judged ahead of time who should be saved and who shouldn't be saved. And church, until we get in our mindset that, that Jesus Christ, he came to save everybody and everybody has access. And then all of a sudden, he starts running and he doesn't even realize that that mercy that he was dependent upon that mercy that's new every day, the mercy he would not give the Ninevites. Now he's, you'll find out he's caught in a great fish. He's, here he's caught in a great wind, and he has no way out. Why? Because he's not willing to extend the same mercy that he was given from his father. If we're not careful, James says. James is Jesus's half brother. He's the oldest of Joseph and Mary's biological children. He writes a book in the Bible. In fact, he becomes the leader of the church, according to uh, Acts, the 15th chapter. He says, "I, I, I, James." They had a, they had a, they had a conversation. Should we allow the Gentiles in? And uh, Paul gave his part. Barnabas gave his part. Uh, Peter gave his part. And Peter said, "I knew they were saved once I heard them filled with the Holy Spirit." because God wouldn't fill someone with the Holy Spirit who's not saved. So I knew they were saved. And so James says, "I, I, James, have spoken. Yes, they should be Allowed in So James carries a lot of weight. James has been around Jesus, didn't accept Christ as uh, who as the son of God until after uh, he rose from the dead. But now he's a powerful position. He's, a, he's an impact player. James says this, that if you're not careful, sin comes upon you this way. First, it entices you. It seems good. It seems pleasurable. It seems like almost maybe even kind of fun. And then there's a lust there. You can't stop thinking about it. Okay? So first, it entices, in fact, Solomon sin. If sinners entice you, consent thou not. So this word entice is used in the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, and it's a form of luring. It's a form like those of you who like to fish. You put the right lure. I think the lure or the bait is really critical to fishing. You gotta have the right you have to have the right Yeah, right bait. Who said that? Thank you. Adela. You fisher woman, you see not fishermen, it's fisher woman. You have the right bait. And you put the right bait on, that's the enticement. And then you throw it out, that's the lust. Now the fish is going to go after it. And then the, the, the hook is the sin, okay now we snap we grab a hold of that sin because we've been enticed we we haven't been smart enough we haven't been wise enough we we haven't been disciplined enough to say no i don't I don't think that's of God and then we start to dwell on that we start to lean on that a little bit we start to lust after it. and lust is such a has a sensual knowledge, but lust can be multifold it can be i can you can lust over money or you can lust over a person you can lust over uh, wealth you can lust over uh, uh, success you can lust over uh, uh, any number of things, but when you start to dwell on lust on that, then all of a sudden you put that bait in your mouth, and then Satan grabs you with the hook, and that's called sin, or missing the mark, or willful disobedience to God. And then the next is death. Death brings separation. It's a, it's a spiritual death. And again, this is James, Jesus's half-brother, Educating on how, if we're not careful, sin can come in and grab a hold of us. And then and if you've, uh, we have people in here that have caught great big fish and not even exaggerated. They've actually caught big fish. And fishing is such a cool thing. You, you catch one like this, but it grows every time you tell the story. So I, I think that thing was like this big, man. You think, that's the problem. It was really just this big. <laughs> But I loved fishing growing up. I hate fishing now. I, I don't see any purpose in it. But that's just me. Don't judge me, okay? Don't run for me. That's just, I, I, and I love fisher people. I love people who, who fish, and I, I wish they would share their fish sometimes. The, yeah, you have to get your own at the annual fish fry. <laughs> the second annual fish fry here at Grace Church. Um, so hear me though, what James is educating us really quickly, and we're, we're, we're bring it to a close. James is educating us to where if we're not careful, It's easy for us to go wayward. Job says this in the fifth chapter and the seventh verse. In fact, I think we may have it up there. But man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upwards. In other words, uh, Job is telling us, listen, it's in our heart. It's in our nature. If we're not careful, we're going to get into trouble. Look at just a few people in scriptures Abraham wandered, okay, and people thought he was nuts, although he became a father of many nations. Moses murdered, but he became a deliverer of all the people of Israel. Gideon was a coward. But he became a conqueror over the Midianites, the most powerful nation of the time. David lived in a cave, but he became a king and the greatest king of all of Jerusalem, Israel, and Judea. What is my point? When we understand like they did, that that mercy is not just for us, but that mercy is for wherever God sends us because God sometimes allows us to go through things that we can help people. It's better to have empathy than sympathy. Sympathy is simply saying, hey, I'm sorry that happened to you. Empathy is feeling the pain of what somebody is going through because maybe you've been there or you've allowed God to say, hey, God, just show me for a second what they might be going through because I need to empathize with them. Come on back, worship team. Let me read uh, uh, Psalms, the 40th chapter, verses 1, 2, and 3. If you all, I don't know if you like the, the group you uh, 2 Some of you might be too religious to, to listen to their music. But Bono sings this. He sung this song over 1,300 times at the end of the conference and so, at the end of their concert. And it's Psalms 40. And as they as they as they end the 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 song, uh, each musician slowly puts their instrument down until they have one last person on the plat- on the stage and i think it's the bass player and he's just boom, boom, keeping a keeping a beat and they walk off and, and the in the audience is singing how long how long will we sing this song? How long will we sing this song? How long will we sing this song? Now let me read this to you and, I, and I, I wanna bring it together right before we take communion. I patiently waited. This is David, by the way, not Bono. I patiently waited for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He, do we have verse two? He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, is what the King James says. And he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Let's stop there for a second. If you go to U2's concert, and the whole crowd is singing, how long, how long have we sing this song? How long? How long will we sing the song? How long? How long will we sing the song? We, We pause for a second. How long? Will we seek after someone who doesn't know Christ? How long will we have patience with someone who isn't living it quite the way we think they should? How long should we run to the Ninevehs in our life and share the good news? How how long should we say, God, if your mercies are new every day for me, they must be new for somebody else too. How long do we say, I'm not gonna judge, okay? I'm gonna love. And if I have love, then I'm gonna have grace. And if I have grace, then I'm gonna have mercy. And if I have mercy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in this realm that says, By them seeing us, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Why is it? Because how long can I say, God, if you be for me, who can be against me? Because if you're here today and you need to know Christ as your Savior, then you need a church that will partner and rally around you and say, hey, we're here for you, not against you. We're here because of you, because that's what God put us on this earth for, what he When he received us as sons and daughters, he did that so that we would receive others. Stand to your feet with me for just a moment. Close your eyes, bow your heads, and just dwell for a second. Paul said to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves as we get ready to participate in communion. But I want to give you just this opportunity because I want to be a church that that loves And I know we are. And I want to be a church that that leaves judgment to God. I want to be a church that extends mercy. I want to be a church that extends grace. If you're here today, you need the grace of Jesus Christ in your life. Not because of anything I said, but because you feel like maybe the Holy Spirit is just ministering to you right here, right now. Just raise your hand. Just right up and right back down. That's all you got to do. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand and that hand. Thank you for that hand. God bless you. Thank you for that hand can now look up at me everybody would you give the lord a round of applause for those that raised their hand today. God bless you thank you thank you for raising your hand we're going to pray a prayer together and again this is just the start or maybe it's a recommitment for you or maybe it's a, just a part where hey that, that I felt like maybe I was going to to Tarsus and God called me to Nineveh let's pray together and as we pray Lord just to come in and just overwhelm us with His love and mercy and grace, because that's what He does. And then the, the team will come forward in just a moment. They'll dispute, they'll dispatch the communion elements. And I want you to hang on to the elements. Get them ready, because they're predisposed. Get them ready, and then we'll, we'll take communion together. But first, let's say this prayer. Would you repeat it after me? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus thank, you thank you for dying on the cross. For, for the me, cross. For me I, receive you I receive you as my Lord and Savior. As my Lord I ask forgiveness, I ask for of, forgiveness all of all my sins. Today, Today I, am I am free. In Jesus' name, In Jesus amen. Name. Come on, one more time. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Those that help me with communion, come on forward. Praise God. We serve a good Father, a good, good Father. They'll, they'll hand out the elements as they hand out the elements. Please just hang on to them. But get the get the bread ready. The top layer is the bread. second layer is the juice. Get it all ready. We're going to sing a song. We'll take it together. God bless you. Said, good master to Jesus. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is no good other than my Father, which is in heaven. God is good. And God is good all the time. And God is just. And God is just all the time. God is full of grace. And God is full of grace all the time. If you'd grab your bread element, just hold it for a second represents the body of jesus christ that was beaten for us stripes poor so that we could be healed a body that went through brutality so that he could be in obedience just as he asked us to walk in obedience hold your bread element up father in the name of jesus i thank you so much thank you lord for the body that was crucified for us that we can have life. Bless this bread element. And Father, I pray today for anybody here with healing. Anybody here that needs a a healing, a physical, spiritual, uh, emotional, relational healing. Lord, I pray that you'd heal them right now. Lord, I pray, Father, God, that we can stand with them. We can walk with them. Bless this bread element. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, your cup element. This represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, when you do it, do it together. Do in remembrance of me and what he did. So we pray for the cup today, which represents the blood of Christ that covers our sins. He's our advocate, one with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He forgives us. He cleanses us. He makes us whole. So Father, we thank you for this cup today. We pray, Lord, in the cup, Father, Lord, that we would be made whole. We love you and bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take the cup together.
1: just so taken back because I love communion. I love the the opportunity that we get to take it and get to take it together. Um, it was Memorial Weekend maybe six years ago or so. I've lost track of times when um, I almost died from having septus and everything in my body was shutting down. And they said I had about a 5% chance to, to come out of that hospital. But God is faithful. God is just. God is our healer. And I remember that day, I think I had just came from ICU six or seven days and went into, they were putting me in a room, so I was finally by myself, I loved it, my husband and my children had never left, I mean, they were there every day, and so I had a few moments to myself as they were repositioning me, and I remember sitting on my bed, just all by myself, and my thought was, I can't wait. To get to take communion because I'll never look at communion the same ever again I've taken it my whole life just as this is the body and this is the cup I take it yay hooray and at that moment I remember saying that by your stripes God you've healed me so when I take that bread or that element I'm gonna look at that and go if not for you I would not be here And then i take that cup that says that it was the blood of jesus the only way the only way i could ever get rid of the wrongs and the mistakes and the sins and the things that i've done in my life which i have was for me to drink the cup that jesus drank through him giving us his blood to represent that cup so i thought lord when i take it i will always take it so serious i will just never look at it the same again so today it was just such a a beautiful thing that we get to do that together so if any any time in your life you're going through something you just need to remember get yourself some communion and remind yourself that you have already been healed by jesus body being broken you have been forgiven by that cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ and you receive that and you don't let the enemy bring condemnation or thoughts in your head that you're still living in a life of sin you have been set free and that's what we need to be reminded of amen so father we love you and we thank you Lord for this amazing word Lord we we ask God that we wouldn't be like Jonah in this way to just go around judging and thinking that if he does good, but Lord, that we just do what you want us to do, not what what other people want us to do, but you look at our heart and you would, Lord, just remind us of things that we need to change between you and me, Lord, not other people, but Lord, let us to have that focus. We love you and we bless you. We pray for every person sick in their body. We declare that by the stripes they are healed. Any financial or emotional or any situation, Lord, we just agree together that you be the waymaker in their life. We love you and we bless you and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. We love y'all so much. Girls, I'll see you Thursday night if you can make it, six o'clock. Be
2: blessed. Thank you
1: for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.